0: You're listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. I love November here at Vineyard Church because of uh, of being Compassion Month, as Angela mentioned. Uh, We've been doing this for as long as I can remember. Mary Margaret and I have been at this church since 1990. And we've been doing it ever since we, uh, we came. And it, it is a time uh, to focus on God's heart for the poor. Uh, the, the founding leader of the Vineyard Movement, John Wimber, he used to say that we need the poor and the poor need us to help us work out our salvation. Um, and he also was somebody who really loved studying the church, the global church, the historical church, the universal church. He's somebody who gave a lot of time and energy to that. And in doing so, he found that with many of the founding church fathers, that ministry to and with the poor was a central part of what they were about. It wasn't just this add-on of, you know what, once we get the other important ministries going, then we'll look to add on ministry to and with the poor. No, it was foundational, and as such, that's why it is a foundational part of what we endeavor to do here at Vineyard Church of Augusta. Because worship is our highest priority it shouldn't come as a surprise to you that ministry to and care for the poor would be very important to us. You say, wait a second, Reese, I thought you were talking about ministry to the poor. Now you just threw it in worship. Those usually, in a lot of circles, don't go together. But as we're going to see uh, today, and really over the course of this whole month, we're going to see that God's heart, heart for the poor. The care for the poor is an essential part of our worshiping life, that they go uh, very, very much together. And why does that happen here at Vineyard Church of Augusta? Because it happens in God's word in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And we're going to be seeing uh, how that happens. Our scriptural theme for Compassion Month is, is an example of this call to unite worship and ministry to and with the poor. It comes from the Old Testament prophet Amos. And it's a message that God uh, repeats through many of his other prophets, like Micah and Isaiah and, and Jeremiah. Amos reminds us that God is on the side Uh, of the poor and he is against those particularly powerful and rich who take advantage of the poor and so Amos he delivers an announcement from God to the children of Israel that that they are on the verge of being wiped out by God because uh, there's no justice for the poor and the powerless in the land and Amos delivers this message that God doesn't delight in their worship sacrifices at all. In fact, he has disdain for them. He can't stand them. He, he detests them because they're not showing justice and righteousness in, in their everyday life, in the marketplace, in the courts, in, in their everyday lives. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to look at the theme this morning. God doesn't want one of these, our worship, without the other care for the poor. I'm going to begin with Amos chapter 5, verse 21. That's the context that we find uh, God delivering this message through the prophet Amos. God says through Amos, "'I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring me choice offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs.'" I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never failing stream. This is what God wants, this is his heart. He wants justice and he wants right living or righteousness, not just religious ceremony for the sake of religious ceremony. That's a waste of our time, and it's a displeasure to God, but what he wants is these coming together. He wants us to, yeah, come together, worship him, but also let the outflow of our life being care for the poor and a desire to see justice and his righteousness carried out in our world. And this morning, that's what I want to talk about, pairing justice and righteousness This is what God wants, and this is what we want to set our hearts and ask the Holy Spirit to come and do in us and with us and through us, not just this month, but throughout uh, the whole expression of Vineyard Church of Augusta. Would you guys join me in praying for this this morning? Holy Spirit, we love you. We welcome you. We thank you for your presence. Come, Holy Spirit, and do your good work in each of our hearts and minds God, we ask that you would come and form in us your heart for the poor, for the disenfranchised, for those who are um, powerless, those who are on the fringe. God, we just want your heart for all of humanity, including the poor. So come and do that in us and with us this morning. We we just uh, set aside this period to focus on your heart, Lord God. And then, Lord, let us just live this out every day of our life throughout the rest of the year. Uh, Lord, just uh, ask that you would use my words, that they would express your heart, not just my sentiment, but, Lord, your heart this morning. Open us up to all that you have for us this morning, this month. We love you, Lord. Let your kingdom come, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, as I said, care for the poor is an essential part of the worshiping life. And worship that pleases God calls for a right relationship with Him— and also right relationship with with others, including the poor. Uh, Throughout the Bible, God calls us to to both, not just to neither or, but both. I mean, look at the 10 Commandments. If you break down the 10 Commandments, the first four focus on that vertical relationship between us and God. And then the second half, or the, the last six, focus on our relationship with one another. Uh, when Jesus was here on earth and he was asked, hey, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? He said, hey, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. The vertical, the horizontal, both happening. Uh, God wants justice and righteousness to saturate all of our relationships and interactions with him and with all people, including the marginalized and the disenfranchised. Now, the Hebrew word for justice is a, is mishpat, which refers to like a restorative justice, setting things right. And it's not just enough, according to uh, this word uh, mishpat, it's not just enough for us to say, oh, that's really bad about the poor. That's really sad. I feel really bad about that. And then go on our merry way. That's not what this is at all. It, it is about... Um, just going a step further, that justice is actually seeking out vulnerable people who are being taken advantage of, and and choosing and giving our time and energy to actually help them. It, it begins with the biblical foundation that every human being, every person, is created in the image of God, and God has purpose for their lives. He loves them. They have value because they're made in the image of God. And so, therefore, they should be treated with dignity and respect and fairness, no matter what they've done or what they haven't done, no matter how much power they have or power they don't have, or money they have or money they don't have. Taking steps to advocate for the vulnerable and changing social structures and systems to prevent injustice. That's what this word mishpot really brings about And We're going to talk more next week about how this can be fleshed out and should be fleshed out at our everyday lives. But let me just say this, because we have an election coming up this Tuesday and I hope all of you who haven't voted already, I hope that if you're registered to vote that you will be voting, that you'll take, steward this, uh, this responsibility that you've been given very well. And I hope that you'll pray about it. I hope that you will uh, study the candidates and, and see, okay, where do they line up in terms of uh, the values that I have, hopefully the values you have as a follower of Jesus and, and pray about that and vote accordingly. God wants justice and he wants justice paired with righteousness, which is more than just the idea of, hey, I just want to be good. Well, I just want to be a good person. That's that it's so much, so much more than that. The biblical Hebrew word for righteousness is sadaka. Uh, it is a it's right relationship, an ethical standard that refers to right relationships with God, but also between people. And, and it's about treating others. As they are made in the image of God, that I value you because you're made in the image of God, period. It's not about, okay, I'll value you if you value me, some sort of, you know, kind of uh, reciprocal relationship like that, or it's, I'll value you because of what you can do for me. We know that that is the system of the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of darkness. No, but it's about treating all people. Uh, as they are, made in the image of God, entrusted with dignity, entrusted uh, with value and purpose given to them by God. This is the message that that God had his prophets, like Amos and Isaiah, tell Israel over and over that unless these proper relationships are maintained both vertically with God and horizontally with humanity, uh, then unless that happens, uh, that things are not going to go right. Things are not going to go right uh, for for Israel. And we see that throughout the Old Testament, over and over and over. Uh, God's saying, I really love your worship, but I don't want it. If it's detached from how you treat uh, that person that you can see, you're worshiping me, you're expressing love to me who you can't see, But that person that you see in your neighborhood whose house is falling apart, whose car hasn't been moved in months because it won't start, um, I love that person too. And I want you to love that person. And I want you to care enough to maybe go and see how they're doing. Uh, I want you to go and, 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 and let... Their issue maybe become your issue. This is when worship is pleasing to me when you have the both and. And this this whole sentiment goes all the way back to creation. Uh, The fact that God uh, the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit made man and woman in his image. And we were entrusted uh, to be image bearers. Uh, and, and, And we're all created in God's image And it's about being like our Heavenly Father, bearing His His resemblance. Because God the Father is just and He is righteous. And He calls us as His children to to carry out this righteousness and to carry out this justice, to bear His likeness. So after Adam and Eve sinned and relationship with Holy God was, was severed, God still desired to have a people. And God chose Abraham to start this new kind of family. And specifically, Abraham was to teach and to model for his family righteousness and justice. And this is the way God put it uh, that we see recorded in Genesis 18, uh, verse 19. God says, I have chosen Abraham so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Again, justice and righteousness. This is the way of of Father God. It was also the focus of God the Son, Jesus, when he came to earth. At the very beginning of his public ministry, what did Jesus do? Jesus went to the temple. He took the scrolls, Isaiah, the exact scrolls of Isaiah, And he took them out and he read and gave what was his mission statement. It's like, guys, this is why I am here. This is why I have come to earth. This is the whole reason uh, for me being here. It's summed up in in these words. And he read from Isaiah these words, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, this was Jesus, his mission statement for his ministry here on earth, a mission that he then gave to his followers, and it is a mission and a ministry that he entrusts to us today and the church globally Uh, This is not something that, that he's done with. He's now just passed this on to us, a ministry of justice, a ministry of righteousness. And as we go love Jesus and do his ministry everywhere, it is a ministry where we proclaim the good news of the kingdom and we demonstrate the good news of the kingdom. We tell our God stories. We tell the cool things that God has done. I mean, just this week, God's brought healing to some really bad situations that we prayed for that, that last Sunday didn't look really good. And, and thankfully, some of, those, some of those people that were in, hosp, in hospital rooms in ICU units where they weren't very optimistic got to go home yesterday and Friday. Praise God. Yeah. So it's telling those God stories, it's telling how God saved your marriage and brought healing and reconciliation to relationships that were damaged and broken. So it's proclaiming that, it's sharing about how you can become a follower of Jesus with someone who doesn't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. But it's also demonstrating it. It's praying for the sick. It's in the context of your everyday life. Maybe you're having a conversation with a friend you haven't seen in a while. Uh, You run into them at the gym and God gives you just this impression, this word of encouragement to to share with them. Uh, What we call spiritual gifts. Paul talks about those in 1 Corinthians. And we just share it, we offer it, you know, just as a means of encouragement, as a means of comfort, as a means to strengthen. It's about doing that kind of stuff. It's about seeing someone who's sitting outside of a TJ Maxx and they, it's cold. It hadn't been cold yet that much this year, but it's cold and they don't have any shoes or socks. And you've just gone in and found a great deal on a a fun shirt and you come out and you see this person and, okay, Lord, what do I do? It's like, well, you ask them, what do you need? How can I help you? And they're like, I could really use some socks. And you go in and you get them and you bless them and you say, hey, can I pray for you? And you pray for them. And then they turn around and said, hey, can I pray for you? And you're like, you bet you can. And it's just the kingdom of God, proclamation and demonstration showing up. I, I, you know, hopefully you got your brochure. Uh, And I think probably most of you got it in yesterday's mail with your giving statements and a brochure over uh, an overview of all the compassion ministry stuff that happened in 2022. Some great stuff, a record year in terms of giving for compassion, Uh, amazing stuff, uh, included uh, record numbers of people that we are serving through our vineyard food pantry, the storehouse, some awesome stuff happening. And not only do we give those folks food uh, when they come through, we also offer prayer to every single one of them. And and that's that's the kingdom. That's what we're doing. And, you know, I, I I get the vantage point, the beautiful privilege of getting to look out over the congregation. And I see there are faces in our congregation who have come into our church family and come into relationship with God through Jesus Christ as a result of different ministries to and with the poor that we've had through the decades here at Vineyard Church. And I'm so incredibly thankful for that. Ministry to the poor is a vital component of our worship and our very basic discipleship. And that's why we do it here at Vineyard Church of Augusta. God said to do it, Jesus modeled it. That was his mission, a mission that he now gives to us as his followers as his disciples. So it's not an either or proposition. I know in a lot of the church, in many church circles, it's the kind of thing where, well, we're just really focused on ministry to the poor. And where others say, well, no, we're really just about sharing the gospel because, you know, really ministry to the poor, is just like rearranging the uh, deck chairs on the Titanic. I mean, really, that's all it is. Seriously. I mean, that's the sentiment in some. And it's like, wait a second. Why do we think it's an either or? Why do we think, where where does Scripture give us the notion that it is an either-or proposition? Our God has called us to do both. It is a vital part of our true worship expression to do both. God wants both compassion toward the weak and holiness towards him. This is a vital part of us becoming more and more and more like Christ. Jesus' half-brother James Uh, who became the leader of the church in Jerusalem, he wrote this. It's just so, again, a powerful reminder of the vital role of, of the worshiping life, including ministry and care for the poor. He said this, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. It's not a, okay, God... I'm, working, I'm serving in the food pantry once a month and that should be enough. I know my sex life is not what it should be, but hey, I'm serving the poor. God's like, no, I, I want both. Out of my love for you, out of my goodness, out of my desire that you would experience my best and the world would experience my best, I want both. I want both of these. This, well, God, you know, I... I sponsor a Compassion International child every month, which is an awesome thing. So a little gossip really won't hurt now, will it? No, God wants both. He wants a a, a mouth that doesn't speak gossip, and he wants us to be generous toward uh, the orphans. And the widows, it's, it's, it's a both situation. I want both. I, these are really loving and good things that I want to see manifest in your life. And I'm calling you to it, justice paired with righteousness. And so again, our theme for this month, let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never failing stream. And I, this is the way that a 20th century Scottish theologian uh, by the name of John McFadden, this is the way he paraphrased Our theme for this month. He said, let justice run through society unimpeded by avarice, which means intense greed for all of you preparing for the SAT, okay? (laughs) Let justice run through society unimpeded by avarice or selfishness or cruelty. Let it roll on without hindrance like the waves of the sea, Let it roll on unintermittently all the year round, whatever be the political weather. Let it roll on like a perennial storm, which even in the fiercest heat of summer never dries up. And that's why we keep doing ministry to and with the poor. It is not about building a church, it is not about growing a church. It is not about being fashionable. It is not about being the, the the hot thing in in church growth or you know in terms of what people are looking for. No, we do it simply because God has said, This is the heart that pleases me. This is the kind of worship that I am looking for that that honors me, and this is what we do, regardless of cultural trends, political tides. We love God and we love others. we serve God, we serve the poor. And we serve the poor in response to God's love, not in any way, shape, form, or fashion to try and earn God's love. Because justice is a manifestation of God's love. We cannot begin to have an understanding of what justice truly is apart from sin, recognizing what sin does to us and how it impacts our relationship with God because sin embodies everything contrary to God's holy nature and sin is offensive to God, okay? It is, it is offensive to God. Our sin is a crime against God and justice demands a penalty of death and separation from our holy God because of sin. But I'm also so thankful that righteousness is a manifestation of God's love. And God sent his holy, perfect son, Jesus, to earth to pay the penalty for my sin and your sin and the sin of all humanity. He did that for us so that we, through Jesus' life, his life, his death, his resurrection, that we could know the righteousness of Christ for those who are in Christ, who've accepted the gift of salvation that God offers every one of us through Jesus and through Jesus alone, that we can be righteous, that God looks at us when we are in Christ and he sees us just as he sees his perfect holy son, Jesus, completely righteous. And that is good news for all of us. And if you're here this morning and you have not yet received the the gift of salvation that God makes available to us to restore right relationship with him, you can do it. You can do it this morning. You can do it right in your seat. You can do it with someone praying with you this morning. It's about saying, you know, God, I recognize that I, am, uh, I have sinned against you, that I am a sinner. I've sinned against you. I've sinned against myself. I've sinned against others, and I want forgiveness of sins. I want right relationship with you, and I want right relationship with others. I, I, I confess my sins to you, and I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, to lead my life, to forgive me of my sins, and, and take that away. I receive your gift of love given to me. I'm so thankful that in Jesus, God's justice is in no way, it's not violated, it is not compromised, it's actually fully satisfied, and that is really good news for all of us this morning, and it's, it's what I want you to keep in mind as we come together this morning to celebrate the sacrament of communion. God's mercy and grace are not in spite of his justice, it's because of it, and he loved us so much Despite the fact that our sins demand death for us, he loved us so much that he gave us Jesus to be the substitute on the cross to take on my death and your death, the death of the entire world because of our sin. His justice was not violated. It was fully satisfied. And for that, we thank you, Lord. When he was here, on, here uh, on earth, Jesus, he did righteousness. He did justice, and he, he, he died on behalf of the guilty. He did this over and over again. He offered his life, and now he, he offers us eternal life through his life given on the cross. He offers it for all of us. And so my question again this morning is, if you have not yet received Jesus, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for this morning? Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that God wants you to know and experience his love and its richness and its fullness. And, and you can do that this morning. You can do that uh, by confessing your sins and asking Jesus uh, to come into your heart, putting your faith in him, trusting in him uh, to be your savior and the leader of your life.